hello everyone welcome to a new episode of cashflow unscripted uh, cashflow unscripted is a podcast coming to you uh, from india with topical insights from leaders of the indian business and finance community uh, my name is ankur bagheria i am the founder of cashflow and i have with me today mr snehal shah uh, snehal is a chartered accountant by qualification and currently group cfo at century textiles and uh, industries limited he's a veteran leader in the finance industry with over 30 years of experience uh spanning financial services and various industrial and manufacturing sectors he has been associated with aditya birla group in various leadership roles for two decades um today we take a deep dive into you know the cfo's role in driving decisions and strategy for a highly diversified business such as century group and aditya birla group uh, we'll get into some of the challenges the considerations and um you know some anecdotes of balancing the divergent demands of different industries within the same corporate banner um welcome snehal uh, welcome to cashflow unscripted it's uh, really great to have you with us thank you for inviting me ankur for cashflow unscripted uh, really a pleasure to uh, be with you uh, today and i hope i do some justice to this conversation that we are going to have so over to you uh, yeah thanks a lot um and just to start off uh, snehal you know let's talk about your role at century uh, you are the group cfo of through of yeah, a very group. different uh, very different uh, the paper business textile business and real estate um, can you shed some light on the strategic role that the cfo needs to play especially when it comes to a diversified business uh, both within the organization and more broadly you know with the board and the parent company Uh, okay of course so maybe you know it would be helpful if i uh, start with a bit of an organizational context although you mentioned some of it so you know century textiles and industries limited uh, is a public limited company uh, registered in mumbai uh, till uh, 1951 the company operated only one uh, cotton textile mill in mumbai and many people who know mumbai well would know the iconic uh, mill and the uh, building in which we sit over here which is known as century bhavan and uh, it was actually being run by mr bk birla uh, uh, who uh, sadly passed away last year mr bk birla as you know is the uh, grandfather of mr kumar mangalam birla and uh, now mr kumar mangalam birla has taken the chairmanship of uh, this company and we are of course uh, yet to be formally uh, merged with the uh, aditya birla group but uh, of course we still have the leadership of mr kumar mangalam birla you know post the mill in uh, mumbai uh, the company of course had expanded into uh, various activities uh, we Uh, had uh, we had a small textile mill uh, after the we closed the mumbai mill we had a small textile mill in uh, baruch in gujarat uh, which we still have then we had a pulp and paper division which is in uttarakhand in a place called lal kuwa very close to nainital uh, then we have the uh, century rayon uh, plant uh, which is in kalyan but that plant right now is being uh, given on a operating lease to grasim so we don't manage that right now it it is grasim which manages it we just get the lease 
we had the cement division, uh, a big cement division, which we have recently demerged, and uh, it has been merged with Ultratech cement. Cement. Uh, cement. So right now, CTIL has uh, three independent divisions. As I mentioned, Birla Century, which is a textile mill. It makes fabrics and it makes home textiles. Fabrics essentially is, you know, your shirt and pant material. And the home textile is basically bed linen. Then we have Century Pulp and Paper, which uh, is which is uh, one of the big, uh, largest and the only probably integrated uh, uh, pulp and paper mill in India, which makes writing and printing paper, it makes packaging board, it makes tissue, and is also making rayon grid pulp. And what is also unique is that we have the capability of uh, producing these products through various uh, 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 raw material, which is, of course, wood is one of them, then bagasse is one of them, recycled paper is one of them. So it's kind of a, a complete package. And of course, uh, somewhere in 2016, we launched, uh, uh, we got into real estate business. Uh, we started with two commercial buildings, which are in Mumbai, very prestigious buildings, which are right now almost 100% leased. But now we are moving into what is known as the residential uh, uh, sector. Uh, we already have two launch projects, one in Mumbai and one in Bangalore. Uh, we are very uh, soon going to launch a project in Gurugram and another project in Bangalore. And probably we'll start a phase uh, two project in uh, what you call it, Kalyan 2. But our most prestigious project, which is going to be over the land where the earlier the mill was there in Worli, that is going to be a very big project for us. So this is broadly uh, the uh, scenario about uh, Century Textiles and Industries Limited. Coming to the CFO role, so, uh, you know, prior to my takeover as the CFO, this role was in Century Textile a more of a consolidator uh, role. And, and each business uh, divisions, as you call it, had actually an independent finance function. Uh, so there could be different policies, uh, processes, different ERPs, different way of working capital management at the unit and so on. So in terms of funding, only the long-term funding was done by the CFO at the, uh, at the head office. And, and and this was this is not usually how the structure is in ABG, for example, where we always had a very robust you know central finance division for particularly for the diversified companies. So when I took over, I can say that uh, the, that that primary responsibility was to create a similar uh, CFD or a central finance uh, division for CTL, particularly for developing, you know, uh, standardized processes, systems, and guidelines around financial and uh, risk management across all the divisions. So, I mean, it's like being the custodian of uh, the company assets and monitor the financial health and uh, report any deviations to the board of directors. So right now, the divisions are now provided broad guidelines with respect to utilization and management of funds. 
and the CFO provides guidance and consults uh, in individual divisions uh, whenever required or mandated. So all statements are consolidated at uh, corporate for preparation of the annual report. The CFO finalizes the banks for the business dealings and operations. Of course, relationships are locally managed by the divisions for, for the day-to-day uh, -day operations. So another thing which we have done is, you know, now we all, the entire treasury, including FX, foreign exchange management, insurance, and the m &A activities, m &A, are completely driven at the head office in the CFD, and that is the CFO's office. And divisions can utilize the funds only as per the limits given to them. And additionally, additionally the role uh, also leads the uh, group's legal and company secretarial functions. Uh, so, yeah, so um, there is, uh, of course, another uh, area which is you know, the investor relationship management. So when I took over as a CFO, uh, the company actually did not even have a semblance of a uh, investor relationship process in place. So given the fact that we would be half the size, both in terms of top and bottom line, post the cement demerger, it was important to have some sort of a continuous uh, interaction interface with the investor community. Uh, so this was more so as all eyes are now on our real estate business to drive the growth and the profitability of the company. And the investors expect, you know, more kind of uh, transparent information. Uh, on paper, centralizing the finance function obviously, you know, makes has a lot of merit. Um, but, but, you know, when actually implementing the centralization, uh, were there challenges that you ran into or challenges that you faced? Uh, you know, which and, and you know, how did you sort of solve for these challenges? Would love to understand a little more on that. So. Uh, uh... Well, uh, to be very honest, I mean, the, there was no uh, kind of, uh, the only challenge actually was, you know, all these years, you know, for, I mean, for very, very long years, these functions were operating almost, you know, independently. So taking away some of the things that they were doing, uh, uh, you know, from them, uh, actually there was, a lot of resistance as it is you know you understand how people would react if something which they have been doing is suddenly taken over from them but so i'm but we had to i'll give you an, a typical example of a foreign exchange uh, uh, management for example so um, if there is uh, let's say the paper division is a is a big importer for example so it will always cover on the uh, it will always be covering on the covering its imports on the other end the textile business is a net importer so it is covering on the imports so i am thinking you know we are unnecessarily paying uh, if you look at it as a company as a whole i just have to net off the imports and exports of two division and the net figure is what i need to actually go out in the market and cover myself against you know yeah 
so that was not happening and we are kind of only helping the banks you know on some sort of a, a basis point earning on the covers that we were doing so this is how we i mean first have to explain to everybody and um, i guess in spite of all that you know people have their own doubts then there are issues related to how we will you account for in the divisions accounts and how we will you share the profitability etc and all that but i think we went there and there was uh, a bit of resistance in the beginning in spite of having good logic you know people have this closed minds so we had to open those minds and at the end of the day i think we are doing well now almost for a more than a year i have been managing forex centrally and it is paying good dividends for us yeah. so these are the few things yes you are right that paper division was the biggest one uh, in terms of running business and uh, naturally they didn't want to probably uh, give away certain things that you know earlier they used to do so that is it's always a challenge yeah uh, do you think some of these uh, and a lot of organizations today still have decentralized finance functions um you know when it come, what would be your advice to them and if they're thinking about centralization um what are some of the key you know success factors or you know some imperatives that are required for it to be successful uh you know you mentioned there are a lot of people related issues that need to be um solved for which uh, you know on paper may not be that evident um any uh, takeaways from your experience in in carrying out this activity so no, uh, uh ankur see what happens is you know I, the way i look at it is you know any operation that you have whether it is with any function or any operation that you have whether it is finance or whether it is operations or anything you have a operating model and the basic pie chart of that operation model is you know consisting of technology is one people is two uh, uh the configuration that you have you know in terms of uh, uh what you call it centralized decentralized the ownership that you have you know whether outsourced insourced and uh, you know so these are the things you got to keep in mind when you are designing something or you are transforming something etc at all at the time so if once you look at all those uh, all those things together and then arrive at a decision that you know uh, this actually makes sense and if you logically explain it to people you know this is how we look it looks it will save us a cost on people it will save us cost on uh, Uh, what you call it uh, technology so essentially we have to prove that okay it improves speed it improves quality it improves productivity and it saves cost yeah if you prove this few things very few people will be able to you know justify that we should not do it yeah. so this is how you go about it and uh, in my opinion and that's how you have to present it and take the buy in that you probably need so essentially to summarize uh, it's it's about creating a robust business case for uh, the centralization and yeah. addressing uh, top management right. buy in would be very critical to ensure uh, program yeah. so I, i it is what suits you once you look at all these parameters that i mentioned in the operating model for some people decentralization might make sense for some people centralization might make sense for some people a complete digital model would make sense for some people outsourcing would make sense 
so you have to see where you stand once you assess everything that's when you kind of come to a conclusion that you know but you just can't do a copycat kind of thing are wo kar raha to main bhi karu you you have to see how it applies to you yeah no very interesting uh, thank you so much neel for uh, you know sharing those thoughts um so just shifting gears a bit uh, you know as far as uh you know the last 12 months have been concerned uh, no industry has really been spared and uh, you know industries like textile in particular have taken a you know a major hit um, real estate to some extent uh, definitely on the commercial side but even on the residential side to some extent um we're now seeing sort of some resurgence there uh what was you know what was your experience you know navigating the different group businesses through this uh, entire uh, covid uh, lockdown and and the repercussions that followed thereafter well uh, you know uh, ankur if you see fy20 for example you know we uh, almost all businesses already were facing a lot of uh, headwinds if you remember yeah uh, so uh, we were not of course uh, spared from that uh, headwinds so for fy20 for example you know uh, both our textiles the manufacturing businesses that is textiles and the pulp and paper uh, faced a lot of uh, headwinds and uh, therefore you know our revenue and ebitda numbers were down i think by almost 8% and 22% respectively uh, now the thing is that at the same time uh, incidentally our real estate business which we had started was actually showing good traction you know uh, maybe because you know people were uh, of course uh, now more inclined towards corporates etc and we had the brand name which you know carried trust as a, 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 a brand and of course the products that we were probably uh, offering were good etc so we had a very good uh, start on our uh, real estate business you know but what that meant is that you know we had to plow in a lot of capital pretty early in that particular business so there was a need for cash and uh, the other two businesses were not really you know uh, doing so well to generate the cash that was probably required the only silver lining for us was that you know our business our balance sheet was deleveraged uh, because of the demerger with of the cement division so we had you know reasonably a good kind of i won't say reasonably low debt on our balance sheet so that was a good thing but since there was a little bit we were a little bit stretched stretched for cash Uh, another thing probably was that you know in april 2020 we had a repayment maturing bond of about almost 700 crores that we we had to repay so naturally fortunately because of the balance sheet being deleveraged we were able to um, borrow money from the market so this was pre pre covid huh? i'm talking about pre covid so somewhere in uh, you know we finished our uh, planning and budgeting exercise for fy21 somewhere in feb feb ka end may or march early we finished our pnb so we had a fair idea in a that in a normal year what would be where we would stand with respect to cash and how much money we probably would be required to raise 
and around that time i mean let's not compare the interest rates right now but even that time there were good interest rates available good rates available and we were fortunate probably because of the rub off of the abg brand brand or whatever we were able to get a good interest rate which was you know better than uh, any double a rated company which we are would be getting it so we kind of actually raised close to 1100 crores uh pre covid for uh, our plans for the next year now so of course in april the 700 crores went off to pay the debt uh, which was maturing but we still now which i can say is we had a war chest of 400 crores so that actually came was a kind of a thing that you know uh, gave me some sort of a confidence ki, you know we will be able to weather uh, any storm that comes so that was uh, uh, one part of uh, you know this second part was that you know we we got the benefit of being into you know diversified business we were getting uh, on one hand you know the investors discount their price because of the conglomerate thing but here it actually helped us what happened was for example the paper business uh, it came into the category of essential commodities so in fact after the second lockdown the government forced us to actually start the plant so we actually started a plant paper plant in you know, somewhere in may or something like that and there was a fantastic demand for that so we had a fantastic first quarter for the paper business now the paper business was uh, 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 something which you know people thought at that particular time everybody is hopeful that all this thing will go away and the uh, lockdowns will be off by the second quarter etc so people in anticipation all our customers etc probably would have stocked a lot of things now the thing is that second quarter came and the lockdowns continued so nothing so the demand again fell so the paper business again second quarter went down but what happened was that suddenly our real estate business took off and our textile business took off particularly the bed linen textile which for which we had depended on exports and there were we were actually having orders from us uh, to the extent that we uh, we could not meet from our own capacity so we had to actually take outside capacity to meet that meet those orders so now okay paper is gone down but now textile is gone up we have started having a lot of bookings in our real estate business so of course there was some some percentage of cash flows that were coming from those things our leasing business was not affected everybody was paying rents to us properly so you know it kind of balanced out for us at least so far at least for the last two quarters it has kind of balanced out certainly we have taken a hit on the uh, what you call it the profitability and the top line but at least as far as cash flow we were able to uh, ride the uh, you know uh, crisis uh, we of course i mean at the end of the day we did the same thing that the whole world was doing you know put a, a stop on all capex started monitoring the cash flows uh, you know the oversight that was provided was very frequent compared to normal thing and uh, fixed cost were under scrutiny etc so we did all those things you know which everybody did i guess so nothing strange but 
for us we actually really didn't feel the change that much ankur to be very honest um, at least as a cfo i didn't feel you know a real kind of a crisis etc and uh, to be to be to give you you know there's something in some other forum i just remembered right now i said in a, another forum was that you know all these strategies and transformation i give this example of a give the sports analogy that all your strategies etc or whatever transformation you want to do etc is decided before the match starts you know and once the match starts if you come across a particular crisis you cannot go about going back to your strategies and transformation you give a tactical response to those things so most of the things that we did was more in terms of you know uh, doing tactical things in terms of the response but we stuck to our strategies that we have we had faith in that maybe accelerated a few things etc etc but uh, um, we really didn't feel the change so much and a need to change something that we already had planned because probably we had planned everything uh, which probably would uh, make us ready for the future and i don't think anybody in this world could have planned for this crisis in any case yeah it is just that if you have a good strategy you are more resilient to uh, what is happening around you you will be affected but you will come out of it faster and you will be less affected also yeah and in in such a time you know you were of course fortunate to um, you know have that funding in place uh, before the lockdown happened um but you know does a let's say if that was not the case hypothetically speaking um how big a role mm. does the larger group play the let's say in this case abg um, how big a role can they play to sort of support the individual businesses uh, because at a group level of course abg is you know flush with cash or you know has strong um, you know credit rating so pricing with the banks would obviously be attractive does that trickle down to individual group businesses also or so for uh, i would say there is a i mean uh, we uh, i mean uh, there is always a arms length distance between all our companies even in abg etc etc so it is not like you know one company comes to the rescue of the others them that is around we'll reach out we can reach out to few people who can probably help us in a particular situation uh we have corporate cells which can actually help us uh, in certain areas you know we have various kind of corporate cells etc so we take those kind of help uh, and yes the rub off as i said you know probably i got a better rate than a double a rated company was probably because people know that you know it is a company chaired by mr kumar mangalam birla so there is no risk etc that uh, 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 is attached to it so those kind of benefits you certainly get but directly i i don't think uh, any of the abg companies you know come to the rescue of others in terms of uh, uh, you know giving sudden suddenly if you need cash requirement so somebody gives a cash and even if they give cash it is at arms length so there would be a uh, we do be just like a borrowing from anywhere else i would probably yeah be taking etc and all that Yeah. So I guess that's how it is. I mean, I hope uh, yeah. I've been able to answer that. And within your businesses, so there is the three uh, businesses you talked about. 
um typically uh, you know if any one business is sort of uh, facing greater stress than others are you able to then uh, you know sort of cross leverage uh, the strength of the other businesses in, in such situations uh currently see uh, uh the way we have structured the pie chart of our business is you know uh, in terms of turnover for example 75% turnover comes from pulp and paper business okay yeah and 25% comes from the textile business the textile company is more like a badge of honor that we you know we have always always been a textile company so we set up a small textile company in bharat uh even in terms of although even so 75 25 a kind of uh, on the turnover side on the ebitda side probably it is more skewed it is like 85 and 15 you know those kind of things so of the total ebitda that i get probably 85% comes from pulp and paper and uh, this so yes we are little vulnerable to the paper in the paper business right now i would say uh because that is the cash flows of these two businesses put together the free cash flows are what we are partly using to fund our real estate business the rest of it is going to be borrowing and once uh, the cash flows of the real estate business comes into uh, being which probably would be in the next 2 to 3 years probably we'll be able to you know then balance out the whole thing so yes to a great extent for a few years we do carry a little bit of a risk on the particularly on the cash flow front but then as i said our balance sheet being deleveraged i have a, a scope for increasing debt so i can always uh, use that as a lever to you know ride the storm yeah what are some of your um, philosophies around um, you know managing the business as a cfo uh, i'm sure given the wealth of experience you've had uh, there are certain tenets and certain philosophies that you operate uh, with with regards to your businesses anything that uh, you'd like to share uh, with the larger audience with the larger team well uh, see uh, i feel the business as i if i'm not running the business you know i'm just party to the business and we have people the, there are ceos there are procurement heads there are sales marketing head etc who are there you know uh, knowing everything uh, everywhere so uh, in terms of running the business or whatever it is there is very little that i would probably be uh, uh, contributing which is more out of sometimes you know it suddenly strikes a particular eye which i can you know recollect and then tell them you know you know this is what happened and you know maybe we can look at this this way or they are facing some sort of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, commercial roadblock or something like that i can probably provide them a solution or something like that you know if they are probably tying up let's say uh, for example they are doing outsourcing for example so in terms of tying up the commercials of the outsourcing probably i can help them out in those areas and of course they look up to me for those areas but in terms of directly getting involved in the business and you know giving them ideas how to run the business i don't see uh, i think that is my opinion a big mistake that probably finance professionals do in uh, most of the business that they interfere too much in the business business part of it rather than being you know more of a support to the uh, various teams that are working on it so i look at my role from that perspective and uh, uh, i 
my I see my role is to ensure that you know the company is healthy, uh, financially healthy, as well as is you know taking care of all the risk management aspects of the company. So wherever there is risk element, I would certainly be uh, concerned about it, and I'll probably highlight it. In fact, one of the things that uh, people might think that you know I'm getting into an ERM. We didn't. We don't have any ERM over here. So I'm right now in the process of uh, rolling out a ERM policy and framework, for example. But this was not because it uh, COVID. You know, it's not because COVID happened. So I suddenly woke up and I said, "This was already in my goals in the PNB that I have prepared in Feb. That this is what I'm going to roll out in the next year." So these are the things that you know will keep me informed about what is happening, and wherever I feel that my input can be valuable. I would certainly give it, but not on a not on a ongoing basis. I don't think that is the job of a finance funds. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take, uh, uh, Snehal. Uh, what we've also seen, you know, often talked about in forums is how the role of the CFO is becoming more strategic, and you know, they're almost like a co-pilot to the CEO uh, in in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, how do mm-hmm. you see that manifesting in your own? Um, you know, business context. Um, you know, while you mentioned that um, there is obviously ample support that comes in. Uh, you know, and financial discipline is obviously a key. You know, area and risk management, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, Ankur, I uh, what I can say is that you know, around the time I qualified as a chartered accountant, uh, this was probably in the late eighties. Uh, you know. Mine and probably all people who were you know, doing CA at that time, uh, their horizon was essentially to you know grow in finance and accounts, which included you know bookkeeping, tax, audit, uh, MIS, you know, etc. Maybe an analogy uh, I can uh, draw is that you know the CFO's role has changed. In the same manner as that of the woman in the society, you know. Uh, what I mean is, you know, that you are no longer the mute member of the family who works hard, but has no role in major decision making. Yeah. You know, I feel the length and the breadth, the dimensions of your role, your influence, your involvement. In the business has undergone a paradigm shift. I certainly say that. So I guess today CFOs, for example, assumes responsibility for even uh, you know one or more of say technology. There are many uh, CFOs. Technology reports to the CFOs. Operations sometimes report to the CFOs. Um, in my case, to even legal and secretarial, which is I think right now common that they report to the CFOs. And I have in ABG Group, I have examples where some of the CFOs are even running a line of business. You know, for example, in the uh, life insurance business, one of the CFOs is running the group business, group insurance business. For example, what I mean by group insurance is not ABG Group. Yeah. Uh, the insurance which is given to you know, a group of people or whatever it is. So certainly there is now. Uh, uh, it's not the old guy who's to sit in a, uh, you know, what is the word that he used, bean, bean counter or whatever. He's no longer that. He certainly is involved in any, all and every major strategic decision that an organization is taking. 
and i think that is a long way uh, uh, that the cfo's role has changed in my opinion i think that is the biggest change uh, which is very apparent right now that's fantastic i i love the analogy i just wanted to touch upon one aspect uh, of the businesses as you've been navigating uh, you know the challenges of covid um how did you respond from a supply chain standpoint what we've seen in a lot of industries is that there were massive you know disruptions on the supply chain side a lot of you know triple a rated corporates ended up you know suspending payments to their vendors or elongating credit terms uh, indefinitely um you know suppliers of course are facing manpower issues you know how how was that experience for you and your organization and and what were some of the mitigants that you put in place there so again uncle uh, that's a good question actually it is i i understand so fortunately we did extremely well on that for example uh, uh, just after the lockdown our first focus was to get the um, collect our money from our you know buyers etc so particularly in the paper business it was extremely good people were paying uh, well etc we were able to extend our uh, credit period for our suppliers to a to certain extent see what was happening is uh, you know once the uh, for paper our benefit in the first quarter was the plant opened once the plant opened and uh, and it was not just our plant but even the other plants in the paper business they were opened so the customers were knowing now that business is going to go up etc etc so they were willing to you know continue with the old uh, used to actually have an advance payment from uh, our uh, this so they were happy to you know make the payments etc and they the rolling was going on to a certain extent creditors we extended the credit period and that was fine uh, uh, for us so on that aspect of payment we certainly didn't have an issue but certainly we had issues on the logistic aspects in terms of supplying uh, stuff etc so we for example we have cutting centers across two three uh, uh, markets that we are in so we had some stock over there so we could supply from there we were we made arrangements and took permissions etc because we were in commodity uh, in essential commodities we could get certain per- permissions to move certain trucks etc etc but yes uh, permissions is some one thing but willingness of the truck uh, truck owners and the truck drivers to you know transport your uh, material is also a challenge but i guess some of our teams were successful to a great extent i don't know how to uh, work that out uh of course textile business was completely closed so we just could get orders and uh, we could only produce and stock those things and now i think we are in the process of you know uh exporting those stuff because domestic market is even today is not so good but then it it does not affect me a lot because at least the 50% of the business is going and in any case does not contribute much to the pie in the this so my focus is always on the uh, uh, pulp and paper business which is a natural thing you know yeah. you know there is an associated question which sometimes come to me you know how do you manage uh, uh, how would how do you manage a diversified fine what is the finance role in uh, this so <clears throat> see i have been as you mentioned in the beginning in my introduction 
more than three decades in the ABG group in various uh, industries. And I'm not even a typical CFO because I've been in various functions of the uh, businesses, etc. So I've seen the whole gamut. So what happens is, you know, uh, the way strategies are made or made the budgets are made, etc. I have seen what happens. You, it's a diversified company. Okay. So which business are you in? How much is it contributing to the top line, bottom line? Uh, what business cycle are you in? What maturity stage are you? Is a particular business? Is one growing, one not growing, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So you take into account all these parameters uh, together and then you decide, you know, how to do a capital allocation for a particular business, where to give more, uh, more attention, more oversight, and where to, you know, uh, just keep a watch, you know, and so this is how probably a diversified business is run. And I've seen that is the way it is probably run across ABG uh, group. So I'm, I've seen it and actually that, uh, that is more than that, more than my CFO skill, it is the experience that I have, you know, had, which I'm drawing upon when I'm running uh, this particular role. Yeah, and that's very interesting. Uh, you know, just last, I think a couple of weeks back, we had a conversation uh, uh, with the General Mills, uh, you know, finance director, and he happened to make a very interesting point. You know, we were discussing the role of, you know, the CFO and what are the you know skills that are needed to play that role well. And I think he uh, resonated with this point. He said that, look, you know, Traditionally in India, you know, people become CAs and then they join the finance function. They spend 20 years in the finance function uh, in hope of sort of becoming a leader there. But what is absolutely critical for the role of a CFO to perform it well is to get a broader business exposure uh, and perhaps to even lead a business. Uh, and that is what gives you true understanding of the business, which then allows you to play the finance role, uh, you know, amicably. Um, and and uh, admirably, so I think that uh, it's. I'm not sure if that's practiced widely enough in India, but I think that's. Uh, I think you seem to resonate from that point as well. You know, Ankur, uh, if somebody was is somebody going to ask me my advice that I would like to give, say, to an uh, up and coming finance professional, for example, you know, what will be the most important advice I would like to give them? is for heaven's sake don't fall into the trap of uh, uh, thinking that finance is the single most critical function in the organization and uh, you know the hard decision i have seen uh, hard decisions tough calls you know usually are taken by the sales and the procurement folks you know along with the ceo and it is not really the finance guys and as a finance person, you know, at least what I do is, you know, I try to assess the general nature of this uh, sales and, you know, procurement uh, guys. Hopefully, I have worked with them for a couple of years or something like that to generally know, you know, what is their nature, uh, you know. So, for example, I just check, uh, is this guy a pessimist or is he an optimist, for example. So, for example, then, okay. If this guy is pessimist, you know, then what I would do is, you know, I'll add a premium to whatever forecast he's giving me, which I'll use to my, in my working. Uh, 
and naturally a discount you know if he is a optimist um, maybe just the vice versa for the procurement guy for example so i'll based on that you know you keep on recalibrating your uh, finance projections requirements etc more importantly to provide confidence to the team that you know you are fine with whatever the situation my real estate guy should not call us neil i've got this deal i hope we have the money i have to tell him don't worry you go ahead with the deal we have, we will get the money that's all i have to give him that confidence so the role of finance is you know to balance the entire organization's operations and not really to uh, glorify the uh, finance function you know Uh, you are you are and you cannot uh, be the know all be all and end all of any organization so this is what probably i would you know tell anybody who suddenly wants to take up finance function because he thinks you know are kya hai matlab hum log to boss hai company ka yeah that's a great point i think that's um, being able to almost uh, play the role of an orchestrator uh you know across different functions and providing them that um guidance support etc that, that's needed and the confidence that is needed to go about doing their jobs well i think that's uh you know it's a very relevant point um and i think that's uh you know pretty much all that i had uh snail thank you so much uh this has been a very interesting uh, conversation um across a variety of topics uh, to be honest uh, not not all of which i envisaged at the beginning of the conversation uh, but uh, it's been uh, absolutely enjoyable so thank you so much for um contributing and it's been my pleasure to ankur i mean i love to talk uh, to be very honest so you gave me an opportunity to do that yeah. and uh, if there is something somewhere else somewhere else some other topic that you want me to talk about uh, i'm even if i don't know about it i'll certainly talk, try to talk about it <laughs> oh, fantastic no thank you so much uh, and, uh, absolutely enjoyed talking to you i think uh, i hope i in um, of some help to the people who will probably um, uh, watching this uh, and probably be able to learn something from them and i would love to have comments from people who have uh, watched this in terms of what probably they think about it you know Uh, absolutely we'll uh, we'll be sure to share feedback uh, as we uh, you know share this with a larger audience um, uh, again thank you so much and uh, you know that's it from our end uh, at cashflow unscripted thank you all for tuning in and we will we'll be back soon with another episode of uh, cashflow unscripted until then uh, that's thank you from my end ankur bagheria uh, and uh, mr on behalf of uh, snehal at uh, century uh, thank you so much thank you everyone